Good morning, Judith. Good morning, Sonia. And we have a special guest coach with us today. Good morning, Susie. Good morning, Sonia. And good morning, Judith. And good morning, audience. (laughs) This is life coach Susie Hansley, and she's joining us today. Um, Susie, would you like to tell our audience a bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is uh, Susie Castellanos Hansley, and I am a life coach. I live in Durham, North Carolina, and I am a life coach who specializes in working with smart, overachieving women with imposter syndrome. So Mm -hmm. I work with women who are very hardworking and successful, but they don't think it's ever enough and they don't ever feel worthy. And we work on understanding the stories that they have that have led them to think that and then transform themselves into these badasses who truly love themselves and truly do what matters to them. Which is a great lead in to today's topic where we're talking about the truth about happiness. And Tell us a little bit about how how you came to this topic. Sure. Yes, it is absolutely a perfect segue because I myself was someone who was pretty unhappy most of my life. I wanted to be happy, but I didn't know how. And I could be happy for small moments, like when somebody gave me approbation or told me that they love me or they thought I was good enough. But if I wasn't getting that approbation, I would feel sad and anxious and unhappy. And so I was somebody who kept pursuing happiness. Like if I get that job or I get into that grad school program or I lost the weight, I'm going to be happy. And then suddenly I'll believe in myself. Um, But every time I would achieve things that I thought would make me happy, I didn't actually feel happy. And uh, one of the things we were talking about before the recording is that I do have a PhD from Brown and I was a college professor for a while. But what's funny is that getting into Brown for a PhD program on a full ride didn't miraculously cure me (laughs) or even finishing the degree, I felt even worse. So I just believed happiness wasn't something for me. Um, And then I discovered the truth about happiness, which is why I'm so excited to share about this. So you want to give us a little, a little lead in here. What is the truth about happiness? So Ooh. <laughs> well, so I, before we can tell you the truth about happiness, let's define happiness, shall we? So one of the things about, um, you know, there's a lot of definitions. So I just want to make sure we're on the same page. And I'm going to begin with one of the definitions of happiness that Wikipedia offered. And it's also the general def- dictionary definition. And basically what I want to use as our working definition of happiness is our current experience of feeling of a feeling or an emotion such as pleasure or joy that we're feeling in a particular moment. So it's something you're feeling right now. That is what we want to talk about happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so here's the part of the secret to happiness before we can get to it is we have to understand the problem with happiness and how we talk about it in society. And the problem is that, we think that we should always be happy. Can you relate? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to generalize here and I could be wrong, but I know we, Judith and I, we often talk about what it was like growing up in a Southern culture. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, there's a lot of, um, especially for women in a Southern culture, you're happy, you're pleasant, 
you're always, you know, you, you don't cause any discomfort to anyone else because you're always happy and, and pleasant and, and quiet as well. And, and these were non-spoken cues. Am I right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. No one ever sits you down and, uh-huh. you know, in kindergarten and says, now as a little girl, you're supposed to be sugar and spice and everything nice. They don't, you know, they don't, yeah you're exactly right but at the same time if you're um not smiling or (laughs) if you're not acting happy then people are going to come and question you about it you know you need to be behaving in a different way than you are Mm -hmm. you know what why aren't you smiling where's that where's that pretty smile oh yeah So would you say that's how you learned it in your upbringing is people would expect you to smile and look happy. And then that's how you learned. I have to be happy all the time or somebody's going to question me. Yeah. And I, I wasn't allowed to express negative emotion, or at least that's the way I read it. Right. Um, I could be sad. Like if somebody died or if I lost a pet or something, then I could be sad for a certain amount of time, but only for a certain amount of time that was appropriate, but anger was absolutely not allowed. Mm. You did not have any kind of negative outburst that resembled anger in my house. How did you guys learn that in your house that you couldn't be angry? <laughs> oh, well, my dad told me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much. Actually, his was you don't come to me crying. Like, oh, if you cry, yeah, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, that's not about happiness, but so the message is conveyed emotions, like don't come to me emotional. And it's better when you are this way. I can handle you any other way, but don't come to me with emotions. Right. You got that. So I don't know that, you know, how we were really feeling was ever really at the root of the thing, but how we presented that's, that was the root of the, you know, growing up, that was the root of the thing. And so, and so I took that to mean that because, you know, I liked, I liked praise. I liked positive feedback. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, that means that I'm always pleasant. I'm always smiling and happy. And, you know, again, it's more of an appearance thing. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't <laughs> thought about, I, I, I'm thinking about 12 year old Judith, eight year old, you know, the versions of me and the stories. And it, it's been, you know, I feel like I've been living so much in the present, like even hearing you talk about, so I'm trying to like tap into what did I think happiness was? I, yeah, I, yeah it's not something that I dwell on a whole lot anymore, mm-hmm. but that just, mm-hmm. when I think about something about in your definition, Susie that that just kind of brought a lot of that back (laughs) Mm -hmm. I did let my my children express both positive and negative emotion but I didn't do it in the way that I would do it like I do it now with my seven-year-old yeah now that I'm a life coach and understand that emotions are just part of the experience yeah agreed Go ahead, Judith. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, but then in, in the truth be told is even as I was parenting my children, I mean, yeah, the, the positive emotions are way easier to handle than the negative ones. I mean, let's be mm-hmm. honest. <laughs> I mean, who among us hasn't parented some a child in public 
or, you know, when the meltdowns happen and the feelings are coming and then how we are, have feelings, I'm, that's where my brain's going. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, that, that's really good. Um, and if, if you don't mind, I want to bring in the yeah. example of this movie where yeah. it really illustrates what we're talking about, uh, because it's not necessarily that we're told be happy, be happy, be happy, but rather we're told don't be emotional. Mm-hmm. Don't be, you know, doing this thing. So what's the default, right? right? And the movie that I'm thinking about is the Pixar movie Inside Out. Uh, have you all seen it? I have seen it. Yeah, I, I have watched it with with my seven year old, but we it wasn't. I'm not good at focusing at movies. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I was doing other things too, but I did watch it. What about you, Coach Judith? Full disclosure. So I um. My son's girlfriend, right, had made a a Snapchat that said she was watching um, Inside Out with her, with my son, right, her, you know, and so I was like, what is this movie? So I went down, down, you know, and I Googled it and I was like, this is a cartoon. And I surely, my brain was like, oh, this must, you know, what is this cartoon? And so I saw just enough to see like, oh, this is really cool. This is about feelings. I love it. Feelings. So, so let, let me tell you a little bit about it. And also for our listeners who may not know it and to encourage you to go watch it because it's a brilliant movie, but basically it's about an 11 year old girl named Riley, whose family moves from Minnesota to San Francisco. And the movie gives us insight into her five main emotions. So they're actually characters in her brain that we get to see. Uh, they are joy, sadness, anger, disgust, and fear. So she's got these five internal characters. But what's happening in the movie is Joy keeps trying to run the show and keeps trying to keep sadness from tinging Riley's happy memories uh, that are represented by these large marbles that are tinged in yellow, which is Joy's signature color. Like each each sort of uh, emotion in her brain has a particular color. And what happens is anytime sadness touches some of the memory, the, the formerly yellow marbles representing those memories, they get tinged with sadness's signature color, which is blue, of course, sadness is blue. But what's happening in her brain, in Riley's brain, is being reflected in her interactions with her parents. And what's happening is that, so they do this disruptive move. The dad is, you know, flipping out because it's like, oh, my startup is having issues. Our furniture is late by a week. She's missing all her friends. And they just keep telling her, keep being our happy Riley. Mm -hmm. So what's happening outside is she's being told, keep being our happy Riley. In her brain, Joy is like, Sadness, get away, get away. And sadness is actually really there. It's like she's feeling sad, but joy is trying to suppress it. Mm -hmm. And so what happens in the movie, the whole rest of the movie is because joy keeps trying to keep sadness out of the loop. All these disasters happen both inside Riley's emotional, uh, in, in her emotions and outside in her life. And then the resolution to the movie comes when joy realizes that sadness is a key part of Riley's emotional life. You know, like, like Joy has to accept that, oh my God, I've been pushing you away because I just want Riley to be happy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Even in calling her our happy Riley, you know, so many of us feel, I think that we're defined. It's not just, it's not just, you know, you, you act happy, but that's part of who you are. Mm. And to realize that it's really just a byproduct. It's not are it's one of the one of the people you can be 
but yes. it's a mixture of all of those things. <clears throat> but, you know, our culture has put a lot of pressure on us, I think, mm-hmm. uh, to be. And I don't know, I can only speak for women, you know, but, but especially I think for women or little girls are, are especially supposed to be happy and, and bring that joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Judith? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I, I thinking about that movie and thinking about poor Riley resisting her feelings for so long and, you know, how many, who among us hasn't, hasn't been there and denied our feelings mm-hmm. and thinking about, um, the pursuit of happiness, right. That we think of happiness as a, you know, I think it, like you were talking about your PhD, Susie, that <laughs> the pursuit of it would make you happy. Mm. And is this where I should drop the definition here that I, I came yes, up with? Yeah, I'd love for you to do that. <laughs> so, you know, down the Googles, there was just pursuit of happiness is defined as the fundamental right mentioned in the Declaration of Independence to freely pursue joy and live life in a way that makes you happy as long as you don't do anything illegal or violate the rights of others. And so I think much of, because we weren't educated in at home about what happiness was, but we were educated at school, like many ways, I think about 12 year old Judith, eight year old Judith being, you know, this, the declaration of independence, right? The pursuit of happiness. Like it's my fundamental right. Like I must find this, this happiness place you speak of. (laughs) <laughs> this elusive elixir. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And I'm going to be good while I do it. I'm not going to do anything illegal or hurt anybody along my path. <laughs> and make sure to suppress that happy, that unhappiness and the anger right. and all the other things. Right. There's, oh, no well, mention of that. There's no mention of the suffering and the pain. <laughs> and, and if I could, I just want to, and, and that's kind of the problem, right? With this idea that we're pursuing happiness or is that the problem, you know, in the movie with Joy wanting Riley to be happy, is it required the suppression of sadness? Mm-hmm. And not only is that not possible for us as human beings, but by pushing that sadness away is actually what completely disrupts Riley's sense of self and even causes her to run away from home. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not even possible, like what you're working against yourself and your true nature when you don't acknowledge the full force of, of all of you, of, of your, you know, it's, and it's, I find it funny that in the movie, you know, we're told, oh, we have to be happy and let's pursue happiness. But did you notice that, you know, uh, the five feelings, four of them are ostensibly negative. You have joy, but then you have uh, sadness, anger, disgust, and fear. Mm-hmm. And this movie was, was developed with developmental psychologists input because that is like the basis four out of five of our dominant things when we're born to keep us alive and allow us to survive, you know, evolutionarily for millions of years is you need to be able to be sad so people will sympathize and try to help you and not leave you out to get eaten by the saber tooth tiger, right? You need to have anger so you can defend yourself if a saber tooth tiger is gonna attack you. And you need disgust so that if you taste that herb, it, and it doesn't taste right. You're like, I'm not going to eat it because it might be poison. And you need fear when you see the saber-tooth tiger and you're like, you know what? I'm going to run away now. So yeah. so four out of those five are really crucial to our survival and they're built into us. So it's insane that we think 
we shouldn't feel those or that we should resist them. Yeah. It really makes me think going out on a limb here that happiness is that a, is that a conscious state of being like, it's like, it's not even like that in the primitive brain, it's, it's required of higher thinking. To... It is in the primitive brain though, because otherwise we wouldn't procreate. <laughs> There's that, that joy, that's right. Pleasure, yeah. pleasure. <laughs> those, those, those five emotions are like evolutionarily designed. And it's really nice when, you know, so when we have sex or we eat something tasty, or there's a reason that when you breastfeed, you get all these great endorphins that make you feel good because that's how you keep moving the... <laughs> <laughs> the yes. species along. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. So we we talk a lot about um the need to drop into your body to really yeah. feel those feelings. When you work with your clients, how do you get them to do that? Because you know, we are programmed in many ways to just stay in that logic center, uh, we think. We think that's mm. what we're doing, but we want to stay cerebral. How do you work with your clients to kind of drop into those feelings and uh, understand that happiness is just a part of it? That's a great question. So um, I think one of the big things that I've been working on is what I've been understanding about when we feel, say, anxiety, or if you have past trauma that maybe is impacting you there is the brain and the body connection. And uh, I actually heard this on Corinne's podcast when she was interviewing John Acuff um, mm -hmm. on, on soundtracks, but I loved his quote when he said, he said something about the brain runs, but the body, but the heart walks. And I take the heart and the body together. What's going on is in our brain, you know, we're, we're thinking so much about the past and putting it into our future and thinking about the past and putting it into our future. And it's like, oh my God, but that happened. So that may happen now, but your body is really only in the present. And so the way to interrupt the tizzy in your head when you're freaking yourself out over something is you put your hand over your chest and over your solar plexus um, and you close your eyes and you say, am I safe right now? Am I safe right now? And that helps you get present and grounded to where you are right now, because that's the thing that will kill the tizzying of the brain. That the minute you can drop into your body and ask yourself, am I safe right now? Then it interrupts that and you, you actually say, yeah, I am. Because I've yet to ever do that and not feel safe. <laughs> yeah, no, right? I I do that. I mean, I will do that instinctively, put my hand kind mm -hmm. of on my, on my chest there. But that question has been huge for me because part of the reason we're afraid and resisting and panicking is because we're afraid of being unsafe. And again, that goes back to evolution. Like either I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be abandoned. I'm not going to be good enough. All of those things are coming from thoughts that you have based on past experiences that you're then projecting into your future. Well, if I go out and do that thing, what if they don't like me? And then I'm going to be rejected again. And it all comes to safety. I mean, that is like the foundation. So when you can get into your body and ask yourself, am I safe right now? It helps you start becoming aware of who you really are and what does it really mean to be in your own body and that you are actually safe right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, I now have an opening 
to create something instead of being trapped by my thoughts. And ironically, that's when the happiness comes when you feel safe right now. <laughs> that's so good, Susie. I'm just like, drop, drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually had an experience like this just yesterday journaling. Um, because we have a lot going on in our lives this summer. We're moving and uh, my son is building a house and there's just a lot of, a lot of moving parts mm-hmm. and none of them are coming together the way I thought they should. <laughs> and so I've been a little spinning in a little tornado here lately. And as I was journaling, I realized that a lot of my feelings go back to something that that really goes back to my childhood and the instability that I was feeling now was something that was reflected you know back mm-hmm. then and so uh, so I was my husband came in and I was just sitting in front of the computer like this yes. <laughs> just breathing practicing my breathing you know and and I I uh, four seven method where you you mm-hmm inhale for four and then hold for seven Mm -hmm. and then exhale and uh, he was like what's going on and I said do you really want to know and yeah I said you really want to (laughs) know and so I told him I was like I am feeling this sense of instability because and we went through the whole thing and uh and so you know he kind of laughed at me and I said so do you love me even when I'm silly and he hugged me I love you even when you're silly And the rest of the day was fantastic. You know, it just, it freed me because I decided right then that my thought was going to be these events this summer, everything is going to happen exactly the way it's supposed to. And it is going to come together beautifully. Mm -hmm. And I let everything else go. I let all those spinny emotions, you know, that were just spinning. I let them go. And I had a fantastic day and, you know, that, that wasn't anything about the destination. I'm nowhere near the destination. Right. But the journey, I get to decide how that, what that emotion is that guides it. Mm -hmm. And my emotion is going to be, it's all going to work out however it's supposed to, whatever comes up, I'll be safe. I might be silly, but that's okay too. My husband still loves me. (laughs) (laughs) and so it's funny that you say that because that that was just that was my experience yesterday and it was a real it was a real change you know it was a real click sometimes you feel that click in your body uh, Mm -hmm. and it was just one of those moments Uh, that's what I just wanted to kind of highlight the point that you know the body remembers the emotion right Mm -hmm. from when that instability you felt as a child or that when that memory created that feeling and allowing that space in your body, the presence of the moment now to acknowledge and, you know, process through the feeling was exactly, was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what created the opening, right? Like if you had just kind of stayed in your head being like, oh my God, oh my God, I I feel unstable. But then you put yourself back into the present in your body Mm -hmm. and you felt it. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, if, if like in the future, if you wanted to add that, that sentence, like, am I safe right now? Yeah. I love that. Then, then it's like, oh, okay. And it literally works on the neural neurological level. Um, because the left side of the brain is the language center 
the right side of the brain is more the feeling center that's in touch with the body. And when you give the body a chance to relax, it communicates with that left brain and then the left brain stops being in a tizzy. And then you literally mentally create an opening for you to think a new thought. Like it is impossible to think a new thought when you are stuck in that cycle. (laughs) And and that's where the body work matters. And and it doesn't have to be anything like, oh, I'm going to sit on the mountain and meditate for months. Like literally it can take, it literally takes me five seconds to say, am I safe right now? And just do that and close my eyes and then be like, oh yeah, I am. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Judith, you look like you were getting ready to say something. Oh, I, I, I don't even know. I, my brain was traveling, thinking about being on a mountain when you said that, <laughs> like, you know, it's all good. I don't know. I was thinking about chakra energy in the head and like the connection with mountains and yeah. And you live in the mountains. So, you know, you're very I close do, to what I do <laughs> getting out of the head, getting into the body. Mm-hmm. Cause that is where that is. I, I coach my clients all the time. I'm like, I want your brain where your feet are like, mm. if you your, if your thoughts are not with your feet, like come back and check in ground with yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we do, we spend so much of our time thinking about either what's happened in the past or where we're going in the future. And mm-hmm. it keeps us from that presence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to bring up about the, the secret or the truth about happiness is that This is something that meant a lot to me once I understood this, and I hope it'll be helpful for other people. But, you know, as someone who was looking outside of myself for happiness, I would then beat myself and judge myself for being somebody who was weak enough that she needed it from someone else. But then once, but one of the things that really helped me was when I found out, when I kind of uncovered that even that instinct to look for happiness outside of ourselves is part of evolution. And would you like to hear more about that? Because it's not, oh yeah, that is not a personal weakness. (laughs) So, so one of the things that, you know, when we talked about them, we've talked about, I'm sure I've heard you talk about the motivational triad. It's like avoid pain, seek pleasure, expend as little energy as possible. Like that's part of the reptile brain. But then like above that is the mammalian brain and the mammalian brain is we must survive in the group, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we've developed those mirror neurons to see like, oh, how somebody else is feeling, then I'm going to like mirror them. Like we do this unconsciously, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So completely evolved to be in the group. And what does that mean? We are constantly assessing, am I in the group? Am I in the group? Am I in the group? And when our caregivers tell us, okay, stop crying. I'll give you something to cry about. It is super important for us as a survival mechanism to adjust who we are, suppress what we really are in order to make sure that the people around us think we belong. That is an evolutionary advantage. You don't want to be the person who's out hunting. And when the saber tooth tiger comes, it's like, well, I'll I'll bring Koth, Judith and Sonia along, but I'm going to leave Susie out there. Yeah. She, pisses, she doesn't really belong. So I'm going to leave her and let them eat her. So, so what happens is we basically are evolved to make sure we fit in. And when you think of it that way, we are evolved to look for happiness outside of ourselves because basically uh, we're constantly gauging how we're fitting. 
And this even happens in the movie. I'll just like mention this, that Riley, her whole thing is like, I'm afraid to tell my parents that I'm sad over the move because they might get mad at her. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's so key. Like how often do we suppress how we feel because somebody might reject us because they might get mad. And that all falls under that evolutionary imperative of I need to fit in. Yeah. But it's liberating to me to know, like, I'm able to take that judgment out of myself where I would judge myself as weak for needing this to being like, oh, man, that's the operating system of being human. <laughs> it's not me. Yay. It, it means I'm being a good human. It means I'm doing exactly <laughs> what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. And but then I'll- it does make it possible then to start finding happiness and belief in yourself the minute like just getting rid of that layer of self-judgment then created an opening to be like oh okay well maybe I don't have to be looking for my happiness maybe it's okay if somebody doesn't like me yeah that's Mm. what I have I have incorporated that uh, I'm not everybody's cup of tea into my self-talk because I do think it's important to, to think when, when I think about a student getting mad at me, or I think I'm a department chair. So when I think about somebody in the department, not being happy with something that I've decided to do, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. I'm not threatened. I, I am safe. It's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, to hear you I'm going to add that, that to it. I've been practicing saying to myself, like that I accept myself, you know, that it doesn't matter when anyone else judgment or my own judgment is that the practice of just being accepting of the self mm-hmm. and whatever that means mm-hmm. yeah in the in the moment with things with my thoughts thinking of others thoughts I know yeah so I haven't with- my judgment like mm-hmm. I've gotten better at accepting oh look I'm judging myself that's so sweet exactly. <laughs> yes yes isn't that cute I'm so human <laughs> I'm, it's sweet of myself because my brain thinks that that's gonna help me somehow <laughs> Yeah. Fit in. It's okay. That's, that's just a, such a great twist though. Well, we've got to wind down, but Susie, we like to leave everyone with the call to action or something that some actionable step that they can take this week. What would you suggest to our listeners if they are looking for, um, if they are in the pursuit of happiness or they are trying to get into their emotions a little bit more? What what can you give them as an actionable step? Well, one of the things is if you want to generate happiness on your own, certainly it's going to come from your thought. But the one actionable thing is that ironically, trying to think a happy thought won't make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> My actionable thing is that when you're feeling one of those other four emotions or some other version of that, is to bring yourself and tell yourself, ask yourself, am I safe right now? Mm -hmm. And really get clear that you're safe right now. That's when you're gonna feel an opening. And then that's when you're gonna be able to create whatever you want that will make you happy. So that's my actionable advice is just remember that um, you can have happiness now, but it does mean reminding yourself that you're safe and that those other feelings are not permanent. They're nothing wrong with you. They're just there to protect you and you can allow them. Mm -hmm. And ultimately all of them are just emotions. They are not a destination. They Mm -hmm. are, they're just part of the experience. 
Mm-hmm. Indicators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the right. dashboard. Didn't you, didn't somebody say about like feelings are a dashboard that tells you maybe Corinne said that Corinne says it, but I think Johnny Gay, too. Gay Hendricks also. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I know I've heard it somewhere else too. They, yeah. they probably all say it, which means we should probably be thinking about it that way too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Susie, if, if our listeners want to find you for coaching, are you on Facebook, Instagram? I am. So you can find my page on Facebook at it's going to be facebook.com forward slash life coach Susie Hansley. So, uh, and I spell Susie S U S I E. You can also look for me on Instagram at life coach Susie Hansley. And I am also on Clubhouse where I do regular talks and coaching and things like that at Life Coach Susie. And, that's, and you and I are going to be talking about um, imposter syndrome. And yes, we are. It's probably yes. coming up sooner than I think. On um, the 8th. So if y'all are interested, drop a DM to either myself or Sonia, and we yes. will tell you all about it. If you are not yet a member of uh, Clubhouse and you are an Apple phone user, we'd be happy to send you an invite. Absolutely. All right. And you can find at soniagreencoaching.com. And Judith? I'm one of the amazing coaches with uh, the NoBS membership. And if you were interested in checking it out, um, that would be uh, fit.click backslash free course. And you can learn all about it there. All right. So three amazing coaches all in one place for your pleasure this morning. Such an honor. Thank you, Susie, so much. Thank you. So nice. We will see you all next week.